You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Happy Friday to you. This is the last time we're going to talk until the Bills face the Miami Dolphins in Week 2, searching for a 2-0 record to start this season. We've got three segments for you today. Leftover thoughts will kick things off. i got a ton of random stuff to get to, things that have been on my mind as I think back on the Jets game, as I look ahead to the Dolphins game, just different data that's come my way that I want to share with you. In segment two, we'll chat with banged up Bills, Kyle Trimble, doctor of physical therapy. He'll give us the rundown on all of the Bills injuries entering Sunday's game. And then finally, we'll close out the week with my predictions for the game. I have six of them for you this week. Let's start with those leftover thoughts. This will be incredibly random. First things first, let's uh, recap where the Dolphins are when it comes to their injury situation. Again, we'll talk to bang up Bills here in just a little bit, but right now let's look at the Dolphins. Wide receiver Devontae Parker, he was limited again on Thursday in practice with a hamstring injury. His status for Sunday is up in the air, and he's their number one receiver. They need him to be part of their game plan. That would be a big loss for the Miami Dolphins if Parker wasn't able to go. Uh, also limited on Thursday, in addition to Wednesday, were both of their starting cornerbacks, Xavier Howard, who is dealing with a knee injury, and Byron Jones, who is dealing with an Achilles injury. So both of those guys were limited back-to-back days in practice. Also, linebacker Elandon Roberts is still in concussion protocol. So all of those are starters, key players for the Miami Dolphins, all with their status up in the air for Sunday. So something to monitor on Friday afternoon when you see the final injury report for the football game. All right, let's flip things back to the Bills. A lot of this stuff that I'm going to mention here are just kind of cleaning up some thoughts from uh, Sunday against the Jets. So the first thing I have written down is A.J. Epinesa. Still a lot of questions and thoughts about why he was inactive, right? The Bills' second-round pick, and he didn't dress in, in week one of his rookie season. And so I've detailed why that has been the case multiple times now due to obviously there being three quality defensive ends ahead of him in Hughes, Addison, and Murphy. You're going to address a fourth one, keeping in mind that Quentin Jefferson, who's going to be an active defensive tackle, can play end. And when it comes down to who should dress as that fourth defensive end, Daryl Johnson gives you four phases of special teams ability, which A.J. Epinesa doesn't give you any phases of special teams ability. So it's a very clear reason as to why A.J. Epinesa sat in favor of Daryl Johnson. But one thing that I, as I thought about it more, it, it hit me. The Bills are no longer forced to draft for need. 
Think about these other first and second round picks. All these guys that the Bills have drafted since 2017. Tredavious White, Zay Jones, Deion Dawkins, Cody Ford, Ed Oliver, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds. All of these guys are day one starters because they had to be. The Bills are finally at the point where they can literally let the talent fall for them, fall to them and allow guys to develop and mature before they have to play. Instead of, all right, it's week one, you're a first or a second round pick, you got to start for this football team because it's an incomplete roster. No longer the case. So I love that idea that the Bills can actually draft ahead, and there was absolutely foresight with this pick. I mean, you're looking at a situation here where Trent Murphy, his contract's up after the season. Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes are both north of 30, and both the players are, are contracts that the Bills can get out of if they want to after the season and actually save some cap space. So just keep that in mind. It's actually a pretty cool thing to see the Bills not absolutely needing their rookies to produce day one. The next thing I wrote down here is Josh Allen, and we talked about so many of the good things that he did on Sunday against the Jets, career high in completions, attempts, yards, got his first 300-yard passing game, accounted for three touchdowns and 91% of the Bills' total yards. But there's a lot of griping on the two missed throws, right, the John Brown throw, the Dawson Knox throw, both in the end zone, and then, of course, two fumbles. The Bills ran 81 plays. That's a lot of plays in an NFL football game. The opportunities for there to be mistakes are naturally greater. Those chances are greater because you're running more plays. So I think it's it's really interesting that so much of the follow-up out of that game has been harping on those four plays when, in actuality, there were so many good plays. But then on top of that, when you consider that they ran 81, your, your chances and opportunities of doing something and making a mistake are that much greater. So just something to keep in mind as we reflect and you know, probably close the chapter on those four bad plays from Sunday. Next thing I wrote down is that there's been so much love on Twitter from people that I follow, football people that I follow, not necessarily Bills people, about Brian Dable and his game plan for the Bills on Sunday. Uh, a lot of high praise, a lot of love for the amount of 10 personnel usage that the Bills had in week one, the highest amount in the NFL of 10 personnel, really showing us true spread offense, which is where the league is trending, and so that's really exciting to see. And then also the Bills' frequency of pre-snap motion increased significantly from what it was last year. And so a lot of really good analysis that I've been able to dig into and a lot of takes that I've been able to dig into about Brian Dable and how effective he has been at self-scouting and adjusting. And so it was awesome to see so much love for Brian Dable, who is thriving with Josh Allen. Uh, as they continue their relationship. And I don't know if we're going to get to keep Brian Dable for another year. So this could be the last year of Brian Dable. Um, but uh, let's enjoy it. And hopefully, you know, if the Bills lose him to a head coaching gig somewhere, uh, that there is uh, somebody that can seamlessly take over and, and pick up the pieces because this is a really exciting offense that is being built that is very modern uh, and in trend with what is working and what wins in today's NFL. So I am i couldn't be more happy with uh, Brian Dable, his game plan, and how he's evolved as the coordinator with Josh Allen. I got to steal this one. I learned this on the Bruce Exclusive podcast. Bruce Nolan, you guys know him. He's a frequent guest on this podcast. He hosts the Bruce Exclusive podcast, part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed. It, it drops every Thursday and Friday. And so I listened to his Thursday podcast and I learned something that I said, I got to, I got to tell 
the listeners of Locked On Bills this information in case uh, they didn't catch this on the Bruce exclusive. And so what Bruce was dealing with and what he deals with every week is uh, narratives coming out of the game. And so obviously one of the big narratives coming out of the Bills win over the Jets was the amount of runs that Josh Allen had, a career-high 14 runs. And so some backlash from Bills Mafia about, oh, man, they got to protect Josh Allen, and they're exposing him to all these hits and injury potential because they're running him on these design runs. Well, Bruce brought some really outstanding information to the table, and obviously I've defended those runs. I've said I like the runs. They're effective plays. They were good for that game plan. I didn't think it was necessary to overreact to 14 rushing attempts when that was a career high. His average for his career is seven. So, you know, it's not good to overreact to highs and lows because they're not the norm. But when I heard this information from Bruce, uh, it made me want even more Josh Allen run plays because they're good, effective plays that use him in an effective way and take advantage of his skill set. If you wanted the pocket passer, then you got the wrong guy in Josh Allen. You get Josh Allen because he's a dynamic athlete. In addition to being able to throw and his size and all those things, use the player. If you didn't want a guy that was going to play this style of football, then Josh Allen was the wrong pick. You've got to use players in ways that they can be successful. And if you try to neuter Josh Allen and limit his runs, you are taking away so much of what makes him effective. But anyways, let's get back to what Bruce Nolan uh, shared on his podcast. This data comes courtesy of John Veros of Sports Information Solutions, and he talked about the risk of quarterbacks getting hurt and where they actually get hurt in NFL football games. The risk of a quarterback getting hurt on a design run play is one in every 236 plays. The risk of a quarterback scrambling and getting hurt is one in every 91.7 plays. A risk of a quarterback getting hurt on a sack is one in every 92.5 plays. And the most common way that a quarterback gets injured is on a knockdown, meaning they get hit as they release the football throwing it, one in every 67.3 plays. I repeat, A quarterback in the NFL has a risk of getting hurt on a design run one in every 236 plays. (laughs) The information speaks for itself. Just like Bruce said on his podcast, there is no statistical evidence that indicates that a quarterback is more likely to get hurt on a designed run. And then Bruce went on to detail some really good stuff about why that's the case. And I'm not going to steal... Uh, all of his analysis, go listen to the Bruce exclusive podcast uh, every Thursday and Friday. You can hear him specifically talk about this on the Thursday podcast. You'll find it under the Buffalo Rumblings podcast feed wherever you're listening to Lockdown Bills. So there's no evidence. If you think that Josh Allen is more likely to get injured because the Bills are using him on design runs, there is no data that supports your claim. In fact, it tells us the exact opposite. All right, let's move on. Some more things that I have written down. Kickers. We're all upset. Tyler Bass missed two field goals. I'm upset about it. I'm nervous about Tyler Bass. But I got a little bit more comfort when I saw some data about kickers in week one. They struggled across the NFL. The percentage of field goals made in week one was 71.6%. It was the most combined missed field goals in any week 
since week 10 in 2011. 19 missed field goals across the NFL. It was the most combined missed field goals in week one since 1982 when there was 20 missed field goals. And it was the lowest combined field goal percentage in a week one since 1998, 71.4. Kickers across the league struggled. I don't know if it's because of no preseason and kickers need that. I don't know if it's because kickers are used to there being fans in the stands and somehow crowds help them be more familiar with their process and it's just more normal for them. And because there was no fans, it was awkward and they missed more field goals. But it was a historically bad Sunday for field goal kickers in week one. So I'm hopeful that Tyler Bass bounces back. I have a prediction for you about Tyler Bass coming up later in the show for his game against the Dolphins on Sunday. Uh, Last thing here in my leftover thoughts, I had a chance to watch the Bills All-22 film against the Jets, and I had a few things that I wrote down. I'm not going to go too in-depth because we are kind of moving past the Jets game, but just some things that really stood out to me that really popped uh, when watching the, the game. First thing I have written down is Matt Milano and how important he is to the defense, what he does for this team in terms of matchups, lining up with tight ends, lining up with running backs. Uh, serving in a pursuit-style role, being able to disguise his intentions, cover ground. I mean, he's critical to this defense. And the more I watch tape with Matt Milano and the more I watch tape without Matt Milano, I realize how important he is. And um, I don't know if he's going to be able to go on Sunday. He'd be a big loss, a big, big loss. Uh, The next thing I have written down is Ed Oliver. I thought he played a great football game, particularly rushing the passer. Uh, He impacted that football game. He affected Sam Darnold a lot, Uh, was closing in on him, uh, forcing him to hurry his process, forcing him to move off of his spots. And that Oliver, you're not going to see a ton of production in the box score from what he did on Sunday, but he had six pressures and and he was an impact player. Um, And if you watch the tape, you'll know that. The next thing I've written down is that the the Bills rushing offense, running out of 11 personnel, uh, did did not help them. Uh, obviously, the Jets have a good run defense, as is, but running the football out of 11 personnel, the Jets didn't respect the spread well enough. They still had a lot of defenders in the box, and it was a tight situation. And so you're trying to run the football against tight boxes where, you know, even when they had Dawson Knox in the game, he he wasn't always a traditional inline tight end. He served a lot as an H-back, as a wing-type player, and so it just kind of moved everyone together, and there just wasn't a lot of space. I didn't see a lot of issues with Bill's offensive linemen not being able to move bodies and create space. There just wasn't a lot of space to begin with by alignment. So uh, something to keep in mind there. I'm hopeful that uh, the Bills can uh, adjust some of that design a little bit. Tremaine Edmonds tackling. I thought it wasn't just the Jamison Crowder whiff where he scored that 69-yard touchdown. I thought Tremaine Edmonds had a bad day tackling altogether. He wasn't wrapping up. He was literally just running into guys and kind of throwing his body into whoever he was trying to tackle as opposed to really getting himself square and wrapping up. So need to see him arrive more under control, more balanced, and wrap guys up. Don't just throw your shoulder at them. Uh, and uh, I think that was a useful coaching tape for Tremaine. I don't know what that tackling form was uh, on Sunday. And again, not just the Jamison Crowder play. There were several instances of that. Uh, A couple more things. Mitch Morse was beautiful pulling and and getting out in space and hitting blocks. Uh, He's so important to this Bills run game Um, and and some of the stuff that they do in the screen game now where 
Mitch Morse is the catalyst. I mean, they run that stuff through him, and he's so good on the move. Uh, I've, I've not seen a lot of NFL offensive linemen that can pull, get to the second level, get out into the perimeter and hit blocks and connect with moving targets like Mitch Morse. It was a beautiful thing against the Jets, as it usually is. And the last thing, Deion Dawkins, I thought he was outstanding in that football game. Uh He's fresh off of that big contract extension. He's going to be the left tackle for a long time in Buffalo, and I thought it was one of the best games that I saw him play. I love how aggressive he was in pass protection. He didn't give uh, rushers a chance to read his set. He went into their frame. He got his hands on them first and really, really maintained terrific width of the pocket, and he got after it in the run game. I thought it was one of the better games I've seen from Deion Dawkins. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether there are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with contactless Visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. I'm joined now by Kyle Trimble, doctor of physical therapy. He runs bangeduppills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangeduppills. He joins us every game week Friday to get us caught up on what's happening with the Buffalo Bills injuries and got some stuff to talk about here, Kyle. I want to start with the linebackers. Obviously, I'm most concerned about Tremaine Edmonds and his shoulder, Matt Milano and the hamstring, and then there's a few other guys here in this linebacker room and Delshawn Phillips and Tyrell Dotson that are dealing with things. So walk us through these linebackers, and uh, I guess hopefully you have some good news for us. So Tremaine Edmonds was limited on Wednesday and Thursday. We saw him take that hard hit on Sunday. Uh, missing the tackle on Jameson Crowder during that big touchdown for them. There wasn't really anything that indicated that there was more of an injury there. I'm still thinking it's more of a contusion. He could have a mild AC joint sprain. It's just hard to say because there wasn't any sling, any bracing, anything that signified that what was going on. We did see some video from Thad Brown out of Rochester that showed that he was having some difficulty lifting the arm, but Think about it. If you get hit hard on any part of your body, it's going to be painful to move. I don't care who you are. So it's not surprising that he was limited in practice the past two days. I'm still holding out hope that he's going to be playing on Sunday because I think they're wanting to avoid any contact the area, let things heal up, get the rehab in there, and then you know if he can take a shot or if he can't, but make sure that he has maximized his time to heal up properly, and then he can go out and play on Sunday. So I'm still banking on that unless uh, Friday is uh, do not participate or they outright rule him out. Uh, for the other ones, uh, Matt Milano, I'm not holding out hope. He's did not practice the past two days. Hamstrings, we see that they're not, you know, they see him rushing back. He's going to play in Miami. They're, they're calling for rain. They are also, uh, that could also exacerbate hamstrings. And one week out from hamstring, we typically don't see people come back that quickly, at least from the Bills' perspective. Uh, Delshawn Phillips, I can't find a video of what happened with him. We think it happened on special teams. That's where most of his play appeared to be at. They say it's a quad. It could be a contusion or a strain. I tend to not see other issues with that, but we'll kind of let the injury report dictate his return. Thankfully, he's a depth 
uh, piece, and he's not as important there. Uh, and finally, with Tyrell Dotson with the linebackers, he was limited on Wednesday, full on Thursday. It looked like he just had the wind knocked out of him on Sunday. He might have had a little bit of whiplash when he tackled because he was a little slow to get up. But the fact he practices a full is usually a good sign that he's going to play on Sunday. And considering that Milano might not play, and same with Phillips, Edmonds better be ready because we're going to need him and likely Andre Smith from the practice squad in order to round out our roster this week. So it doesn't sound good for Milano. Doesn't sound good for Phillips. Sounds good for Dotson, and we have our fingers crossed on Edmonds. I think you make a good point there. Just try to limit any contact there, but also get him ready. It's good to see him on the field. Like, at least you know he's going through uh, mental reps and and preparing for the game. But uh, I think, obviously, limiting contact when your shoulder is sore makes a lot of sense. What maybe didn't make a lot of sense, Kyle, was uh, John Brown being on the injury report on Wednesday. And it was seemed random when it happened, and then when Stefan Diggs had his press conference Wednesday after practice, and he was asked about John Brown going down, Diggs didn't act like he had any idea that Brown had an injury, and so then he's full on Thursday. Do you have anything on this John Brown situation? Not a lot. Uh, for those that do follow me on Twitter, I do do injury spying for uh, pro football doc, Dr. David Chow. So I wake up this morning. He's he's over on the West coast. So that the time difference is a little bit different, but I get a message from him late last night. It just says John Brown question mark. And I'm like, okay, this might be a little concerning if he's worried about it. So I told him, I looked at the film. I looked at it this morning when I woke up, I found a few plays in the fourth quarter where there might've been something. You might've stepped funny. There might've been something where he might've just tweaked something, but there wasn't anything definitive. that said, this is what's going on. He was never moved from the game. He was able to play through the entire series uh, in the fourth quarter. He was not involved in the offense the last five, six minutes of the game, but that might have been by design, not by uh, due to injury. So the fact that he practiced in full, uh, I didn't get to watch the video, but I know there's video out there today with him getting passes from Josh Allen. So I don't think there's anything going on, but I certainly had a lot of people contacting me on uh, Wednesday. What's going on with John Brown? And I had to – you know, tell him, I don't know. I got to look at the film. So I'm glad that nothing is going on with John Brown. We had two guys kind of sneak up on the injury report. They were not on there on Wednesday, but then Thursday they were limited. Uh, defensive end Jerry Hughes with a calf. Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver with a hamstring. Do you have anything on these guys? So Hughes, normally I wouldn't worry about calf. You can't really do a whole lot to that besides strain it. It's just, it's a... It's obviously a very powerful muscle to get off the line of scrimmage, especially with him trying to bend around the edge and get the quarterback. So that first step is going to be vital for that calf. We don't know what he did. There wasn't anything that indicated that it's going to be a problem on uh, from Sunday. He might have tweaked something on uh, today's practice. From what I understand, limited means you just didn't take all the reps. So maybe he has sore calf and said, I'm going to set out this drill or that drill. So, I don't know if it's indicative of that he won't play. We know he's going to play through injuries. That's that's a fact, especially after last year. But you got to wonder if maybe he's just being mindful and knowing that, hey, we better report every injury, especially after the Bills had got investigated last year for the wrist uh, fiasco that he kind of brought on himself by the Instagram post. So there's that. And then you also look at the McKenzie. He could tweak the hamstring today, and then he might miss some reps because of that. We don't know that anything's coming from Sunday. We probably won't know that, but 
if we lose McKenzie, yeah, he's a great gadget player in certain packages, but you can certainly uh, replace him with something else or do without him, I think, in per my personal opinion, if he can't play on Sunday. But I don't see why he wouldn't, especially if he's limited on Thursday. Kyle, last thing I want to get to here is Josh Norman. He went on IR, which we know is uh, as few as three weeks now under the new rules for this season. But you had some optimism about him being okay last time we spoke, so wanted you to clean up anything there and any other thoughts that you have before we uh, let you go today. Last week I had said if I was a betting man, I thought he'd play. I'm glad I didn't put my paycheck on it because <laughs> I would have lost it. So um, that, that was a big 180. It was really surprising because you see it, he's trending toward it, and then you see he's out, and you're like, okay, well, maybe he was on track, it, maybe not. And then you see IR, I go, well, maybe this thing was more serious than we thought. So then you got to wonder if this was a grade two hamstring that maybe he was trying to rush back for in time for week one. Uh, and then they throw him on IR saying, hey, just take the time you need to get better instead of trying to rush back for week two. And that's really a nice benefit of the IR that um, he could be on IR, get himself healthy and come back rather than take up a roster spot and let somebody else like Cam Lewis now take his roster spot and be good to go with that. So. That was definitely a 180. I'm going off of educated guessing is how I put it, uh, just because of my background. But I'm only getting what the team is giving us and what I'm seeing on film and whatnot. So I would consider that big whiff and miss. But I would want to say right now I'm, I'm hitting 100 or 1,000 on the Edmonds and Milano. So I consider my week a wash right now. So, um, yeah, I hey, this is this is all as, as, uh, educated guessing. Uh, We'll just kind of keep running with it. But I'm hoping when Norman does come back, he's going to be good to go, and then we have that depth. But I know that, you know, they're shopping around looking at other cornerbacks. So, you know, I don't think they're going to outright cut him, but he knows he has competition when he comes back or if he's not going to heal up like they think he is. Always appreciate your time, Kyle. Again, folks, you can follow him on Twitter at bills. The website is bangedupbills.com. We appreciate your expertise each and every Friday. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you, Joe. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place where you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Tredavious White, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides you with access to the entire NFL Films Archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. As always, a big shout out to Kyle Trimble, doctor of physical therapy, banged up bills for his expertise on the Buffalo Bills injury situation. Let's close out the week with my predictions for the game on Sunday. Last week, I hit three out of five. I got six predictions I'm giving you this week. First prediction. The Bills will win the turnover battle and Josh Allen doesn't fumble. Maybe that's two predictions right there. But I think that the Bills will come away from this football game uh, committing less turnovers than the Miami Dolphins 
And if the Bills commit a turnover in the game, it will not be a Josh Allen fumble. I think it's obviously a point of emphasis for Josh Allen and and the Bills, and Sean McDermott knows about him. I think he'll clean it up this week. And in four games previously against the Dolphins, Josh Allen only has one fumble. So give me the Bills with less turnovers, and if they do commit a turnover, it won't be a Josh Allen fumble. Number two, Josh Allen has a productive day running the football. For those of you who don't want to see Josh Allen run the football, you may not want to watch on Sunday because the Miami Dolphins are going to run a ton of man coverage. And when there's man coverage, that means less eyes in the backfield to see Josh Allen when he escapes and takes off. I'm sure they'll have a spy, but we've seen Josh Allen destroy spies in the past. Hello, Anthony Barr. Hello, Kiko Alonso. So give me 10 rushes from Josh Allen for over 60 yards. Number three, the Bills' defensive backfield gets an interception. Somebody in the secondary. They got their first interception of the year last week uh, against Sam Darnold. It was Matt Milano. It was the only interception of the game. I think that a Bills defensive back will get one on Sunday. Fitz will throw interceptions. He threw three last week, and I think it's time for the Bills' secondary to come away with their first interception of the season. Number four, Tyler Bass goes perfect on field goals and extra points. I don't think he's going to miss one on Sunday. I am going to choose to believe that he gets this corrected. And while I don't expect him to be perfect for the rest of the season, for Sunday, I think he gets on track. I'm not going to sit here and predict how many field goals and extra points he makes, but I don't think he's going to miss one. I'm going to choose to be hopeful with this. Maybe this is more of a hopeful, optimistic thought than a prediction, but I'm going to go on record and say Tyler Bass doesn't miss any field goals or extra points on Sunday. Number five, there will be four or less combined sacks in the game. I don't think Josh Allen will get sacked very much uh, by the Miami Dolphins. They only had like five pressures last week against the New England Patriots. So I I think the Bills will take care of the Dolphins' pass rush. And I also don't think that Fitz is very easy to sack. He gets the football out of his hands quickly. I think that he'll return to some of his fundamentals and getting the ball out quick. Last week he was above 2.5 seconds on average. I think he was at 2.57 seconds getting the ball out of his hands. That's got to come down for him to kind of be in his peak zone. So I think he'll get the ball out of his hands and the Bills won't get a lot of sacks. So give me four combined sacks or less in this game. Now, heck, that could be four for the Bills and none for the Dolphins. Three for the Dolphins, one for the Bills. I'm not sure how it's going to stack up, but I don't think that there will be more than four sacks in the football combined. The last one, number six, do the Bills win the game? Do they go on the road and claim their first road victory of the game and improve to 2-0, also improving to 2-0 in the division, or do they fall to 1-1 with a loss at the Dolphins? Now, you know I'm concerned about the Heat. Talked about that on Wednesday. It was the first thing I said when previewing this game. I wanted to talk about the Heat. I am nervous about it. And I'm nervous that Matt Milano won't play. But in either case, it's going to be hot, and there's a good chance Matt Milano doesn't play. I still think the Buffalo Bills handle their business on Sunday and beat the Miami Dolphins. I'm not going to sit here and say it's going to be a route. I think there's a chance it could be a one-score game. But I think the Bills are a more talented football team. They're further along in their rebuild. And you have a Miami Dolphins team that has so many new pieces, whether it's the coaching staff or personnel, 
And we talked about that on Wednesday. Seven new starters on defense. You've got four out of five new starters on the offensive line. Two rookie starters on the offensive line. A new backfield completely. I don't think this is the right time for the Dolphins to play the Bills. A team that has so much continuity coming back from, obviously, the depth chart and roster, but also from the coaching staff. I think the heat matters. Not having Milano matters but not enough for the Bills to find their first loss of the season. So put me down for a Bills win in week two. That's it, folks. The hay is in the barn. Our preparation for this game is done. Hopefully you feel well prepared for this football game and you've enjoyed listening this week on the podcast as much as I have enjoyed delivering the analysis. As always, I do kindly ask that you share, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. If you like what's happening here, tell a friend, share it on social media, and even better, how about a five-star rating and leave me a few sentences in the review column on iTunes. All of that is very, very appreciated. Enjoy football this weekend. Enjoy the Buffalo Bills. I'm hoping for a victory Monday. And until then, thanks so much for listening.